Will you pray with me? Lord God in heaven, Lord, this morning, God, I just pray over this church, from the youth to the children to this room, Lord, and those at home, Lord, I ask that you would just move in hearts. Lord God, we worship you in song, we worship you in spirit, and Lord, as we open your word, we pray your spirit would be edified, that we would enjoy him, enjoy your word, and God, that you would speak to our hearts. Oh, do a mighty work here this morning, God. Meet us where we're at. I know there are some here that are, are puzzled why they're even in this room, why they're tuning in right now. And so God, I, I pray that you would grab hold of their, their heart, that you would draw them in. And then others here that are hurting, God, please grab hold, comfort, guide, and expectations. Let them be met. Let them, ah, oh, God, let us, our anticipation. Let our anticipation desire you at a deeper, wonderful level. Oh God, this morning is all yours, and so we just look forward to what you're going to do. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. And now, God, as we open your word, I thank you for your word that you impart to us. Speak now, God, in Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. Please be seated. Thank you. That was Chad. Chad Cheney. Give him a shout out. And so, yeah, we're blessed to have him. And, and Michelle, always blessed to have you and the rest of the worship team. And my daughter, you know, it's the, that was my girl. It was over here. So I know, I know. We'll sell albums later. Okay. Hey, welcome. Happy fall, everybody. Aren't you feeling it? Woo, Arizona fall. Yeah, it's good times. You know, it's in my pool right now from that windstorm we had the other night. And so, you know, God is good. Amen. Okay. You know, we are starting a new series called Faith That Works. We're going to be diving right into the book of James, and it's going to be a fun few months together as we unpack what God has there for us. Now, I love James because James is about spiritual maturity. See, he is a straightforward shooter. He wants us to grab hold of what God desires for us. Because we forget something, you know. We forget that God actually wants us to grow up a little bit. Because so often in our culture and in our world, there's a lot of babies out there and in our churches too. And there's something I really learned. It's very interesting that, you know what, you can grow old, right? And it doesn't take any effort. How many people feel that way? You know, you look in the mirror and go, that's not the person I remember. You know, we grow old. We can't do much about it. Oh, we can inject ourselves with certain things, and, and we can try lotions and whatnot, but, you know, it just doesn't hide the fact. You know, but the reality is you can't do anything about growing older, but you can do something. You can mature. You can mature. And many of us, we don't go there. Many of us, we don't, we don't like the idea of maturity because, you know, that, that's a little bit hard. But we got to remind ourselves of something very key here. Not everybody who grows old grows up, amen? I mean, we got a culture out there that is, out, is, is like that. They are out there, they are doing their thing, and they said, hey, I don't want to grow old, you know, but they are. But they're not growing up. And we see the results of it. And I think, you know, God, He wants us to be those people that are responsible, but that's not how our culture is. Because why? Everybody's living on feelings these days. How I feel matters. And what that reality is, that means they're not using this up here. They're just using this. See, they're using their heart. They're using their feelings how I deem. And they're not using common sense. They're not using their brain. 
Church, we got to understand something as we go into James is God gave you an amazing brain that he wants you to use. Think about that. Okay, maybe you're not thinking about that hard enough, so I want the person next to you to turn to you and remind you of that. Say those words to them. Say, God has given you an amazing brain, and he wants you to use it. Say it. Remind them. Wives, you're going to love this. Tell your husbands that. Because it's true, we got this thing up here, and it's between our ears, and we are called as Christians to use it. We're called to be thoughtful people, rational. And we actually use this word called common sense. But you know, I want to do a caveat here. It's not common sense like the world. It's common sense like the Holy Spirit's guiding you in, the sense of who you are as a follower of Jesus. See, we're supposed to use that. And so before we jump in any further, I want to go to, I want to start our study off in James in Ephesians. You know, really? Yeah, I want to go to Ephesians. And I want to look at verse five, or chapter 5, and I want you to look here at verse 15. It says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Now, we got to remind ourselves, we are supposed to be wise. That means, this, hey, you're supposed to use this. See, there's a lot of people that know stuff out there, right? You can go to any college campus, and there's a lot of knowledge. But what they're lacking is wisdom. See, they don't know how to tie their shoelaces. They don't know how to make sense of things. Oh, they might know stuff, but they are the most unwise people. And we have to understand, we are called to be wise. Look around you. We are in a world that's full of evil. It's out there. And it's crazy. And it's getting bad. And so we've got to be smarter than the average bear. You know, remember that? We've got to be smarter than, than the world. Now, let, let me just share this real quick. Understand this. Why would schools... Why would governments, why would a society want irrational, foolish people? I'll tell you why. Because they're easier to control. They don't want people thinking for themselves. They want the herd mentality. That's what Satan desires because you, Christian, if you fall into the herd mentality, you fall into that area, you know what? You are not going to impact the world, and that is exactly what Satan wants. He wants yes people to him. And we have to remind ourselves that we are here to follow the good shepherd. We are here to follow him. And that means we have to be what? Spirit-led, spirit-filled people. Let's again look at Ephesians in verse 17. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let's stop there. So it's foolish if you don't know. See, that's unwise. If you don't know what the will of God is, that's unwise. And it goes on in verse 18. It says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, people like to get drunk, or, you know, as I would say it, you know, they like to fill themselves full of substance of what's about me, what gives me the high. It might be changing my body. It might be doing something else. It might be a drug. It might be alcohol. It's anything that hampers us from being filled. And a lot of that is pleasure, personal pleasure. See, the word filled, as we've done our study in Ephesians, it means controlled. 
And church, that is who we are called to be. We are called to be controlled by the Holy Spirit and not be the, the sheep that are just going along with the culture. That's what's happened to the church. That's what's happened to the things of this world. The world is full of sheep aimlessly following each other. And it's a sad thing. But let's remind ourselves what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 27. It says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they know me. Can you hear them? See, many Christians, they can't hear. Why? Because we haven't grown in spiritual maturity. Many Christians can't decipher what God wants from them, what to do next, because we haven't grown. We're sitting at back and just going, hey, this is great, whatever. Church, I want to challenge you all through this series. I want to challenge you with a few words. Become who you were created to be. Become. Don't just wait for it. Become. Go after it. See, James, he writes this book, and he writes it to Jewish Christians. He's writing this to Jews, and you're going, oh, Jewish Christians, it's not meant for us. Oh, yes, it is. Because they are dealing with this thing called temptation. Anybody been tempted this week or today? Yeah, tempted not to come to church, okay. There's trials. We're actually going to talk about trials. You see, the church, uh, they, they, they dealt with certain things, like maybe um, being taken advantage of. Anybody here been taken advantage of? Maybe by somebody in the church. See, that's happened. Some people, they haven't, you know, maybe competing for a position going, hey, I should have that position at the church. I've been here longer. I know better. I'm smarter. I'm blah, blah, blah. And you just like, I want that. And so there's competition within the body of Christ. Maybe you're failing to live up to what you say you believe. I think that's a lot of us. You know, we have our own desires. Some of us even use bad language. I know no one in this room. But that happens. They struggle with, with common things just like we do. And there's division within the church. And so, with a world that's full of babies that are going, wah, I want my way, my feelings. They don't need more Christians like that. That's what the church's fault has been over the last century. As we, we want it our way, and we're too run on feelings. We have to step up and be mature. That's what we're called to be, those wise people. And James is calling us to maturity. And we're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 1. We're going to look at one verse in James truly deep today. And it starts out like this. It says, James, the bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's very interesting. He starts off like that, James. And who is this James? James is known by most scholars as the half-brother of Jesus. Now, here's the half-brother of Jesus. It's interesting how he doesn't introduce himself going, James, the guy who grew up with Jesus. The guy who knows everything about Jesus and you don't. And I can tell you more stuff than you would want to hear about Jesus, right? No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't say, I'm the most spiritual one because you know what? I touched elbows with him at the dinner table. It's not that. What does he say? I'm a bondservant. I've sold myself over to him. I've given my life to him. See, James is known as a spiritual man. James is, is called a pillar by Paul. He's, he's esteemed by Peter. He's known as, as, as the man that ran the council in Jerusalem when there was a problem within the church. He was known as this spiritual giant that was a man of prayer. He even, it's even said that he had knees of a camel. They were so 
pardoned by kneeling before God all the time in prayer. And he was the first martyred in 62 AD by Herod. James is the man who went and lived it out. And many people will look at James and they say, you know what, he's a legalist. I don't like the book of James because it's, it's, it just doesn't sound like grace, grace. I need. And we forget, you know what, sometimes a little bit of tough love is needed, especially in a culture today. Like your child, you know, you don't want to say, oh, don't, don't touch the, the hot stove. It's okay. Don't touch it. No, a good parent's going to say, don't. And you slap their hands. I know you're not allowed to do that these days. I didn't do that to my kids. But the reality is, is that's what we need. We need a straight shooter. We need somebody to tell it like it is. And here's James. He's saying, step it up. You know, it's time that you grew up and you became adults. You know, and that's the problem with our culture today in the Christian church. We err on the side of grace, grace. We say grace to everybody and everything. And people come in, they accept Jesus going, oh, I can have grace. I can get saved. And there's no life change. There's no repentance. And they miss out and they don't have a firm foundation. Last week, Claudio shared in Matthew 7 about Lord, Lord, how there's many going to be out there that are going, I did all this stuff. I did all the church stuff. And he's going to say, I didn't know you. And in that same context, the problem is there because they didn't go deep with God. We see it in Matthew chapter 7. In the latter part of this discussion, Jesus brings up this analogy. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them very interesting see jesus is seeing action here in hebrew hebrew scholars believe that when you they say you know something that means it's followed through with action because you don't know something until it's acted upon you know about something but you don't know and so jesus is saying hey if you don't act on them we'll be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and it fell and, a great, and great was its fall. See, that means there's a lot of people in the church that come in and they don't have a foundation. They're, they're not saved because they're not people who live on that faith. They don't believe. You see, we have to understand that a Christian is drawn to act on their faith that's a, that's a natural thing that's why we're talking about faith that works because it's a natural byproduct let's remind ourselves we, we're going to go back to old school now we're going to ephesians right uh, ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 we know the verse it says for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself it is a gift of god not as a result of works so that no one will boast now we know that we know we're saved by grace i can do nothing to save myself we understand that and you go so i don't have to do works and that is where the christian gentile greek that's what we would be in the word of god we like to stop there cut and dry but if you are of Hebrew descent and you know Hebrew, as I shared, action, you don't know, you, you don't know until it's acted upon. That's why the following verse is key to those two. Because we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, we are his workmanship. Now that means we are his. So we are a new creation. And it says, created in Christ Jesus for good work. 
which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So the natural response, the natural byproduct of grace is action. Now, we like to look at that word, works. And what do we think of, first of all? I got to go be nice to my neighbor. I got to witness to somebody. I got to go feed the homeless. I'm going to serve in children's ministry. All noble things. But we forget that work often happens on the inside. On character. On proving character. It's, it's that righteousness. See, we're saved in sanctification, and we understand that positionally, but we become sanctified, and it grows in us then through us. And James reminds us of that, that we, we need to grab hold and, and grow in that. And he goes on in verse 1 of, of chapter 1. He says, To the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Now, he's talking to the 12 tribes of Israel here. And, and he's, he's point blank, and he understands, and the, and the context and the understanding of this is these 12 tribes understand works. They understand action. As we say, knowing in Hebrew means to do. So they understand that this is what it's all about. That, and he's saying, hey, you know what? You, you might go, well, that's not to us then. That's what some scholars believe. But you know, in James... He mentions the word brethren 19 times. You know who the brethren is? The body of Christ. You. You are part of that brethren. And we need to learn to embrace the idea here because the biggest problem we face in our culture today without working faith, the biggest problem we have in our churches is spiritual immaturity. That's what it's, that's the big problem. That's the big problem, and he wants us to get beyond that. And you might say, you know, no, Tom, I'm, I'm spiritually mature. I got this. I've been going to church my whole life. I was in the womb at church. I got my mom's church in me, you know. I got it. And we know it, and we know how it but are you spiritually mature? So let's ask ourselves a few questions. Let's just be straight shooters, because I believe we're in an interesting time. I don't know if the Lord's coming back tomorrow. I think he is tomorrow. That's a good day. The 4th of September, why not? We don't know. Christians have been thinking that forever, but Christians live like it because it's bad. Because the days are evil. So ask yourself some things. Are you strong enough to think clearly when persecution comes? It might be persecution from a kid in your class if you're a student. It might be persecution from a government telling you to fall into line and do what they say or anything in between are you strong enough to say no that's not what god would have me that's not what god's telling me i don't think a lot of the churches in our world today are ask yourself this do you have the spiritual discernment to know who to believe and who not to believe that's crazy spiritual discernment a lot of us will, oh i think i do do you? You know, kind of, a lot of us will go, okay, who do we believe? Is it Fox News or CNN? And we kind of go, oh, that's who I'm going to believe. Is that where you should go? Maybe you go to a, a social site. Maybe you go somewhere. Where are you listening? Who do you believe? Because I tell you, there's a lot of false advertising out there and false words going about. Do you have discernment? Maybe ask yourself this. Are you in a place where you can discern God's word over your own thoughts? Huh? 
can you discern? Is God wanting to speak to you, but your desires, your thoughts keep getting in the way? See, this is the problem with Christians. We're like, I don't know. Maybe go all the way back and ask yourself, are you saved? See, many of us, that last one, oh yeah, I'm saved. I'm saved. You know, the sad part is, is many people don't know where they stand. It's interesting, I, I, I was doing a little math. I decided to really look at, because I always joked like how long I've been in ministry, and I've been in vocational ministry for 28 years. I'm like, wow, because that's really bad, because I'm only 30 years old right now. <laughs> and I think about that, and I think 28 years. And then I look back, and I was kind of doing a count in my life, and, I, and I'm going, you know, where are my failures? Where, where are my issues at? And I look back in my life, and I go, you know, a lot of my problem was spiritual immaturity. And then I looked at the churches I've served at. Where was the problem with the churches is spiritual immaturity. And so where do we go from there? What are we to do with that? Well, we gotta, we got to hit a, a few things and understand exactly where we stand. So understand this first one. Please write it down and understand that spiritual maturity is for the saved. So, okay, if you're not spiritually mature, either you're a slacker or you're not saved. A lot of go, oh, I'm a slacker. But that's true. Maybe you're not saved. We got to ask ourselves some hard questions. We know, you know, how to be saved. You know, Jesus, as he, as he was talking to Nicodemus on, at a night, and Nicodemus the Pharisee comes in, and he goes, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says very plainly, truly, truly, I say to you, if I can find it, and I can't find it, there it is, okay, we're going to go. He says, I say to you, Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. As we know, the word born again, that means born from above. It's God that does all the work. And you can't see it. You can't experience it. The Holy Spirit gives you the kingdom of God, gives you God in him. He lives in you, and he's dwelling in you. You can't do it. He has to come into you. And then you get all the byproducts of that. But you've got to be born of God. And that's where a lot of people, they, they forget. And we know John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, I want us to really look at this because it says, Who believes in him? What is belief? Well, I know it here, right? I know it. I, I say it. What is the Jewish understanding of knowing something? It's following through. What's the understanding they hear believes? Because you know what? The demons believe. The demons understand who Jesus is. A lot of non-believers think they know who Jesus is. And so we look at Romans in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, there's a conviction here. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So everybody would go, oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I'm a sinner. I've sinned. You know, everybody else in here, oh yeah, we're sinners. That's good. And most people would agree with you, you know, the sin that I have committed, yeah, I'm a sinner, not a big deal, what we do. But the hard part is when they look at Romans 6, 23. It's for the wages, the earnings of sin is death. And the free gift of life, uh, of, free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, there's a, there's a change here. There's a choice. See, there's a life of death and there's a life of life. And that's where people, the belief stops. I either have to buy into one and give up the other. And that's where the culture, and that's where many people will say, you know, my belief will only go so far. And so you can have eternal life, 
or eternal death. And when you accept eternal life, there's a change. And that change is very evident. See, we have to understand that it's very clear that the Word of God imposes new standards and new values. See, there's something different that happens. There's a turning. There's a turning to a new standard and a new value in somebody's life. So the spiritually mature goes that direction. That's why in Acts we see, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men and all people that all people everywhere should repent. Turn. See, that's what it means. We, we turn and we follow somebody new. We do a new thing. We turn towards Him. This is what we're all about. And that's where the Christian church stops short. Because understand this, church, all are called to life change. All of us. Not to remain the same. Last week, Claudio, he talked about Matthew 25. And in Matthew 25, it was the parable of, of the ten virgins. How five of them had full lamps of oil, and five had half-filled lamps of oil. And in that parable, they, you know, we learn that the, the five that had the full lamps, they were ready for the bridegroom when he came. And so they were led into the party. And so what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, the analogy is this, is they were there for the bridegroom. The five that had half-filled lamps, they were there for the party. They were there. They didn't care who the party was for. They were there because, hey, you know what? We're party crashers. We love this. They weren't looking forward to the bridegroom. They were about what they could enjoy now. See, that's a lot of people in the church. See, what do they do? They come to church and go, man, I love it. My kids, they're involved in Christian activities. It's such a good thing. I get good morals are pouring into my church. I, from my church, I can, I can uh, enjoy a little bit, uh, do a little service, feel good about myself. And they're not going any deeper. They're not anticipating. They're not looking forward to Jesus. That's, that's people in the church. And, and those that are looking forward, going, it's not about here. It's about later. The bridegroom's going to come. And so I'm going to make all preparations. Whatever I have to do, I'm doing it now, but I'm looking forward to it. Those weren't ones that were just there. They were false believers. And they missed out. They missed out because they, they lacked that joy of being saved. They thought they were. But there was no evidence. There was no spiritual maturity. There was no change. So we see here that we need that. But the next one we have to understand is if you want that, self-examination identifies spiritual maturity. It identifies. It'll show you who you are. You want to know where you stand? You know what? You've got to look at this. This is a great way to see where you stand. This is the mirror. That's what John calls it. He calls it, it is a mirror into your soul, into your heart. And we see it in Matthew, or James chapter, chapter 1 and verse 22 and it says or 23 excuse me 23 it says if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror for once he has looked at himself and gone away he has immediately forgotten what a person what, uh, what kind of person he was See, 
when we come into church so often we'll read the word of god and then what do we do we get out in the parking lot and what would you talk about spiritual maturity i think something like that see we want you to unpack it at home too it's kind of sad, you know, remember when you're a teenager and you go in front of the mirror and you look at it and you also got the North Star on the tip of your nose, this big pimple, and you're just like, how did that get there? One night, and you're sitting there, and there it is, there's this big blemish, and you're like, oh my goodness. But then what would be the foolish thing? Is not do anything with it. You just go, oh, maybe later, and you walk off. That's what many of us do spiritually. We, we see the blemish in our hearts. And God, never mind. See, we need to examine ourselves. We need to see who we are with God. And we need to look into the Bible. And we need to ask ourselves some important questions. Ask yourself, what am I doing? Where am I at? See, that's where a Christian does, is we examine ourselves because we don't want to be the same people we were when we were younger Christians. We want to grow in that. We want to have discernment. And we could change. It's sad if we get and look in the mirror and we don't change a bit, don't we? It's sad that we, we forget. We forget this very important fact that change is part of growing. So you shouldn't have the same attitude you had when you were younger. You shouldn't be a bitter person. You shouldn't be, you know, a, an abusive person with your mouth. You should change. That's spiritual maturity. So examine yourself. Ask God, what, what am I doing? And then next, I want you to do this. Understand that obedience reflects spiritual maturity. See, it'll reflect it. See, you can examine, but when you are obedient, it'll show where you're truly at. It'll show who you are. Look what James says, chapter 1, verse, my voice is going, and verse 22. It says, prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. I love the word delude. Because what does that say? It says you're lying to yourself. That's what you're doing. You are lying to yourself. You're saying, hey, you know what? I, I can hear it. I'm here. You're, you're lying to yourself. Because you're not acting on it. See, you got to say, am I a, a doer or a hearer? So most Christians, they love to what? Oh, go to the Bible study and hear it. We love to come to church and hear it. And it goes along that same self-examination. We love but we don't do. Warren Wearsby put it like this. The blessing does not come in studying the word, but in doing the word. Oh, you're blessed by, by studying it, but where it really permeates your soul is when you start doing it because you feel the conviction of God, you feel the draw of God, you feel the leading of God to do it. You want to know if you're strong enough, you act on it. You go forward what God is calling you to do. That's where the joy is. That's where the love is. I mean, God, you know, it's really foolish of me because sometimes, you know, I pray. I want to grow in God, and grow, God is working on me. He's using, using this bad word called patience. Anybody know that word? And it's like yesterday, you know, and I, I got my smoker going, got out there, got the meat in there. It was going great at 6 a.m., and I walk out there at 7, and it's dead course i threw it and crossed the yard no i didn't i wanted to i was like oh my smoker no and so i quickly you know did did analysis and i checked out and i took it apart and checked the motor and got it all and nothing and then i remember what i had been studying and i i was like 
thank you, God. You know, you're teaching me something here. I don't like it. I'm not learning it, but I thank you anyway. <laughs> See, God's teaching us things. But we got to be doers. It's kind of like this, you know. This. So Laura and I, you know, we have a dining room table set, and, and it, it's, it's mountain fabric on the chairs. Okay, the, the fabric's beautiful, and it goes really good in the mountains when we are in Colorado. But you know, we don't live in Colorado anymore. We don't live in the mountains. We live in this place called the desert. And so it doesn't, it's, it sticks out like a sore thumb. So we thought, we're going to reupholster our chairs. It's like, yeah, we're going to do this thing, you know? And so we did the research. I called up Carol Tease, and I said, Carol, I, we're going to re reupholster some stuff. And she goes, okay, here's some pointers, and went over to her house. She gave me pointers. like, okay, I got that. That was two years ago. I, I, I heard Carol. She told me. And then I go, well, Carol's really smart, so I better go to online because that's where all the truth is. And so I went online to learn. And I go online, I learn more. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's another, okay, I got this. I got this. And so that was last year. And so I'm like, this is great. You know, I've got all this knowledge. This is really good. And we're looking at the chairs. Then one day, Laura goes, let's go. I'm like, okay. So I went to our favorite store, Hobby Lobby. For those of you that don't know, it is Christmas time in Hobby Lobby. Yay! So we go into Hobby Lobby. There's the Christmas trees. And I'm looking, oh, okay. And I go, I go back to the fabric section in the yarn area that I hate. And I went in there. And the fabric was on sale that day only. And I'm like, I got to buy it. So quickly we, we found our, our fabric. Well, this is it. This is exactly what we want. So we went home, grabbed a cushion, came back, and we measured it out. She was speaking Romanian or Persian of some kind, and she knew everything. We didn't understand a word, but she got the right amount for us. We're like, great. And she gave us advice and doesn't help in another language either. And, and we got it, and we went back, and then we waited another week. Time just keeps adding on, right? So I got all the equipment. And I go, oh, I, no, 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 no. I got to go to Lowe's. So I went to Lowe's and I got a new staple gun, man. Another excuse right there. We're doing a tool. I need a tool. So I got a new tool. Got all the things I need. We're sitting there. And then it happened. And we got together and Laura and I made this thing and we stapled it on. And the first one was perfect. And then we went on to number two, and next thing I know, I'm pulling out staples, and I'm blowing it. But then I got in the mode, guys, and I went to town. Laura left, and I'm like, bah, 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 bah. I was going crazy. I got it all. I used up all the staples, and it's done. And a little over an hour, we did all the tables and chairs, or chairs, and it was just an amazing feat. And my life is changed. If you come into my house, you will go, wow, where's the change? I go, right there. And it's just amazing because you get to sit on it now. <laughs> and my life is complete. But I tell you, the joy is in the change. It wasn't in the, the, the doing or the, the reading about it and learning about it. It was in the actual coming together and doing it. So many Christians, we forget, we are so excited to come and then go shopping and looking around at a proverbial Hobby Lobby, and we never buy anything. We never make it to the register. We learn everything there is to know, but there's nothing to it. You aren't experiencing it, and there's no joy. You're missing out. You aren't being the man or the woman God created you to be. And that is called spiritual maturity. You can have a changed life 
Let me end today. I want to read out of Romans chapter 5. In verse 3, it says, it says, and not only this, but we also exult, that's joy, in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, meaning, you, you know what, it's going to be hard, but God's going to help you get through it. It might take a long haul. And perseverance, what, develops what? Proven character. You're going to be a changed person. That's what it means to be spiritually mature. And then it goes on. And proven character, hope. Oh, you're going to be so excited. When you start developing yourself, going forward with God, you're going to be living with expectation of what God will do. How will he speak to me when the things get hard? How will he tell me what to do? You're going to know because hope isn't a pro, isn't, is not something that, you know, is just happenstance. Hope in Christian lingo is promise. And then it goes on. And hope does not disappoint you see there it's going to come through because the love of god has been poured out within our hearts through the holy spirit who was given to us so church when you say yes i'm going for it oh it's going to be hard don't worry god's going to give you that hope that you need and it's going to prove itself out but you've got to step into it to know is to actually follow through Many Christians do not. Many people that call themselves Christians do not. And so I'm going to ask you now as we prepare for communion, and Chad, if you want to come up, is I'm going to ask you to, to start, hey, you know what, God, I do need to be real about this. I do need to be that man or woman that is growing in you, not relying on my, my feelings, but being the man or woman who is spiritually mature. I'm going to ask you to do that. As the ushers come forward, they're going to distribute the elements. Hang on to them, and I'll lead you in it. But I pray that you wouldn't take this lightly. That you would say, I can, with God's help, go forward, because that's his will for me, to be the man or woman he's called me to be. Let's pray. Lord God, Lord, I pray at this time, as we approach your table and just reflect on the gift the gift of salvation, the gift of Jesus saving us for all eternity. And now we have the opportunity to live like Jesus, having him live through us. And so God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice. And that as we sit and contemplate, I pray that you would pierce our hearts, that you would ignite in us a fire and desire to live for you. We ask this in Jesus' name.